Thank you, Pastor Justin, and welcome everyone. Welcome to worship. Exodus chapter 4 records a very special encounter between God and Moses. God was calling Moses to a special mission. And we read in verse 1, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Think about what a moment that must have been. God met with Moses at this burning bush and gave him this monumental challenge. Look, I want you to go back to Egypt where you grew up and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses essentially said, God, you've gotta be kidding. Moses, uh, Pharaoh's never gonna believe that you sent me. He's gonna laugh me right out of the palace. And so God began to give Moses some confirming signs. What's that in your hand? A staff, he replied, just a simple piece of wood, a, a, a stick that just about all shepherds use to ward off the wild animals and to help guide the sheep. Throw it on the ground. And when Moses did, it turned into a snake. God said, now pick it up by the tail. When he did, it turned back into a staff Again, the Lord said, Moses, there's an important lesson for you here. Your job is to learn just to obey my instructions and let me take care of the rest. I'll do all the persuading that Pharaoh needs. Now, if you're aware of that story, you know that Moses' shepherd's staff was used on numerous other occasions to perform miracles. Uh, once he struck the Nile River with it and the water turned to blood. Another occasion he touched the dust of Egypt and it turned to lice. Once he stood at the Red Sea and held that staff out over the sea and the waters parted for the people to go through. And yet on another later occasion Moses struck a rock when the people need wa needed water and water gushed forth from that rock. The deal was that God took the ordinary in Moses' hand and turned it into something extraordinary. Now in just a few minutes, we're all gonna bring a commitment card and place it in a container at the front of the sanctuary. Now, by the way, at all of our locations, I want to do a little push pause right now. And if you uh, don't have one of these little pledge cards and would desire to have one, I just want to be sure that everyone who would like one of these cards 
And this would be helpful, actually, to have it in your hand as we kind of walk through this together. I, I would urge you right now, if you would, just to slip your hand up real quick, and ushers will be there to help get a card to you. Thank you for doing that. Just hold your hand up for a moment and be patient, and uh, ushers will be sure to get a card to you in a timely way. Thank you for doing that. I'd love for everyone to have one of these in their hands so that you, we can be prepared when it comes time for our commitment. So in just a few minutes, we're going to come and place these completed cards in a container at the front. But before we do that, I want to ask you the same question that God asked Moses. What's that in your hand? Well, the simple answer is it's just a, it's just a pledge card. It's just a card where I'm going to write down my name and and what I'm pledging and committing for a three-year period. But I'm suggesting that this card is much more when placed in the hands of God. First of all, I, I believe that this card is an expression of love. If you love your mom, I sure hope you express it on a regular basis. But when Mother's Day rolls around, you love your mom? I hope you express your love in a special way. And if you love the Lord, we ought to express it regularly. Jesus said, if you love me, then keep my commandments. But this offering we come to today is a special opportunity to express love. Has this church been a place where you've found salvation through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins, well, now's the time to express that love. Has this been a place where you've been given ample opportunity to serve and to use your God-given gifts in meaningful and satisfying ways? Then perhaps now's the time to express that love. Has this been a place where God has worked not just in your personal life to change you, but maybe in your family and in your relationships and you've built friendships that last for a lifetime, well, now's the time to express that love. After Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, he was later having a meal in the home of Lazarus. And Lazarus' sister, Mary, was so overcome with gratitude for what the Lord had done for her family the Bible says she broke open this alabaster jar of ointment. It was very, very expensive. It was worth a year's wages. But in this lavish expression of love, she broke it open and poured the entire contents out on Jesus. The disciples were indignant. They said, why this waste? I mean, my goodness, this could have been sold and the money given to the poor... But interestingly, Jesus commended her expression of love. And he said, she's anointed my body in advance for the burial. She saw an opportunity that would never come around again, and she did what she could. And this may be an opportunity that we never have again. Now is the time for us to make an expression of love. Someone said you can give without loving, 
but you cannot love without giving, and, and that's true. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. This, this card is an expression of love. But secondly, I'm going to suggest that this card you hold in your hand is a tangible expression of your priorities. Jesus said, don't lay up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. He said, rather lay it up in heaven where it's going to be more permanent and it can't be destroyed. You know, when it, we really boil it all down. We know what our priorities are, ought to be, don't we? God first, family second, occupation third, hobbies fourth. But you know, there's something about the rat race of this crazy life that causes us to get our priorities out of kilter. And pretty soon, we can put possessions and prestige and earthly position ahead of the things that matter. Jesus said, don't work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And when we give sacrificially, we're saying, my hope is ultimately not in this world. We're saying, I realize that my life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things that I possess. This is a demonstration. There's something more important to us than that shiny new car or that exotic vacation or even reaching that financial goal as quickly as we'd wanted to. We're saying there's something more important to me than the things of this world. And I sure do hope today that whoever you are or wherever you are on the spiritual journey, I sure hope and pray that your hope is not in the temporal things of this world. And I'll say to any of you, quite frankly, that the best investment you can make of resources is to invest them in eternity, to store up treasure in heaven. I love that old story about the rich man who died and was being shown around heaven by St. Peter. And before they'd gone anywhere, he saw one of his friends he had known on earth who drove by in a brand new gorgeous Porsche. And the guy said, oh, Porsche, this is going to be great. St. Peter said, yeah, your friend was very generous on earth. We had a lot to work with. And then he said, here's the keys to your transportation. And he gave him the keys to a moped. The guy said, a moped? He said, yeah, you weren't very generous. We didn't have a lot to work with. The guy drove off in a huff. A few days later, St. Peter sees him. He's all smiles. He says, oh, you're feeling better today. He said, yeah, I just saw my preacher go by on roller skates. Now, I assure you, it's not going to be like that, all right? But Jesus did say, when you give, this is Jesus, you're storing up treasure in heaven. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. So it's an expression of love, but this card is also a demonstration of our priorities, we're saying, I understand what's most important and what is really not so important. Third, this card in your hand is an evidence of your participation 
on this church team. Whatever congregation you're a part of today, you're a part of a united, incredible team that God is building and using <coughs> for his glory. It was October the 29th, 1921, that tiny center college in Danville, Kentucky, beat mighty Harvard in football six to nothing. Now, you might not know it today, but at that time, that, and many, many experts still believe that was the greatest upset in college football history. Because at that time, Harvard was a football power. I understand they'd been undefeated for five seasons in a row. And Center College was a little school of about 300 students. It was, a, it was incredible for this to happen. And later, when reporters asked the coach of Center College how this could possibly occur, he said, and I quote, we had 11 players in on every play. What is he saying? He's saying, we just were all in. Nobody was loafing around. Everybody was giving their best. Every player was in on every play. You know what I believe about the kingdom? I believe about God's church and his kingdom that it's amazing what God can do when everybody kind of jumps in and does their part. When every player's in on every play. Jesus prayed on his last night on earth, Father, Make them one as you are in me and I am in you. May they be one so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know what I think? I really believe that the next three years are going to determine whether we walk by faith or by fear. This 2020 campaign is all about bringing lost people to Jesus Christ. We're simply fulfilling our mission of introducing people to Jesus and then helping them get better acquainted. And I just want to say it to you, whoever you are, whatever your background or your place in this church body may be, if this gospel is not true, if this gospel that I have preached at Grace now for 24 years, if it's not true, you know what? We ought to sell the building. We ought to just take all the proceeds and give it to the Peace Corps, and we ought to quit bothering people. But can I say it to you as plainly as I know how? If this gospel is true, that through Jesus' atoning death at the cross and his bodily resurrection and his promise of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins by grace through faith, if that message is true, then we need to redouble our efforts we need to do everything we can possibly do. We need to be all in especially during days like these when life is so uncertain. And we need to do that not just for those born right now, but for generations yet to come. I think this 2020 vision campaign is a bold adventure. 
I think it's gonna stretch us and deepen us and grow us in ways that we've seldom been challenged. We've had campaigns before. Those of you who've been around for a long time, you know that perhaps you participated. But in my opinion, we've never had a campaign like this one that was so little about our own selfish needs and so much about others. It's so much about people that don't know Christ yet. So much about people who need to hear the message of Jesus. And if there's not a widespread team participation, we'll not accomplish our goal. So I'm gonna say a word to those of you who are veterans in this church. Maybe you've been here eight years, 10, 15 years or more. My word to you, dear friends, is we need you more than ever right now. We need your commitment, we need your prayers, we need you to be all in. I'm asking you to do what you can and we'll leave the rest up to God. But let's be a united team. A grade school Sunday school teacher was really concerned one day when a little boy with only one arm came to visit the class. She was concerned because she was afraid that some of these young students might make fun of him or embarrass him in some way because of his disability. But she was so proud of the class because nobody did. And they were just so welcoming to him. But she kind of forgot about the young man's limitation and he, she, she got all caught up in the lesson and she came to the end, she said, all right now class, let's do that little exercise that we often do. You know the one, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. Then she thought, oh no, the little boy with just one arm. But before she could kind of awkwardly recover, the little girl sitting next to him reached over and with one arm she said, here Jeffrey, let's build the church together. That's the kind of team we need because you know what? We're all disabled. We're all spiritually inadequate. We cannot build the church on our own. None of us can. But when we join hands, when we unite and join hearts and pull together, then we can help build the church that Christ desires. So what's that in your hand? That's what God asked Moses, and that's what I'm asking today. It's an expression of love, really. It's a demonstration of priorities and it's evidence of our participation on this team. But I, I wanna make one last statement before we actually get active ourselves here and make our commitments. I'm gonna suggest finally that this commitment card may represent an admission ticket to eternity for somebody else. Now that may sound to you like a crass way to put it, so let me explain. Through the years, there's been a little exercise that I've encouraged many of you to do over and over again, it, and here's what it is. I've, I've encouraged you at times to write down the names of people in your life who as far as you know don't know Christ yet, and many of you, hundreds of you throughout the years have done that, 
and we've often prayed for those people on that list and helped build a bridge to them and help invite them to special events or to hear the gospel in some way. It's been awesome. And we've seen the Lord save hundreds of people. But I wonder something. I wonder if right now you did a little list in your own mind, a little Rolodex in your own mind. Just, I wonder if right now you let the, the faces of those people that would be on your list, if you were making one today, what if they paraded through your mind right now? Who would be on that list? Moms? Dads? Children? grandchildren, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends? Who would, be, who would be on that list parading through your mind right now? If people, as far as you know, don't really, really have a personal relationship with Christ. They may be wonderful people. They may be good people morally in so many ways. They may live respectable lives. But as far as you know, when it comes to Christ, they don't have that relationship that saves. Who would be on that list for you? In this 2020 vision campaign, our whole desire is that those very people would come to not only know Christ, but would become mature followers and disciples of Christ. One woman prayed like this, Lord, you know what a mess my life was in when I first came here. I thank you that there was room for me to come and grow. Help me to be willing to sacrifice now to reach someone in the future who is just as lost now as I was then. Well put. And you know what? Over half of you here right now are here. Can I tell you why? Because someone 16 years ago in a campaign much like this made a sacrifice for this church to totally relocate and expand and make room for you. And we'll never know, folks, until eternity how many people will be won to Christ and how many Christians will be deepened in Christ because of what we do here today. Your gift makes room for more. Not just those dear, precious souls that paraded through your mind, but your gift makes room for folks that you've never even met before and won't have the thrill of meeting until heaven. Your sacrifice can make a big difference because there's always room. There's always room for one more. Schindler's List has become one of the classic movies of our time and while it's a very sad and even depressing movie in many ways, it's also deeply moving because it carries so many profound lessons. In this scene toward the end of the movie, Oscar Schindler is being thanked by so many of these people whose lives he had a hand in saving. They're saying thank you to him, but he's reminded that he could have sacrificed and actually saved more. Let's watch it together.
Hebrew from the Talmud that says whoever saves one life saves the world entire. Obviously, a very deeply wrenching moment. But quite frankly, I believe that's the way it is. We will rejoice in all of those who've been saved by God's amazing grace, but we'll wonder, we'll wonder, had we sacrificed more in this life if God would have reached more through us? So here's what we're going to do. Without any melodrama or fanfare for the next few minutes, our team is going to come to the platform. They're going to kind of lead in a song, Blessed Assurance, and we're going to bring our commitment cards after we've completed them and place them in container at the front of the sanctuary area. Now, let me just be clear on one thing. There are a number of people who have already turned in their pledge cards. A number of elders, leaders, staff, 
A number of covenant members have already made their pledge. They may not be coming again. Some may. Some may choose again just as an act of visible commitment to do that. That's great. Also, we have guests with us today, and we don't necessarily expect that they will be participating and making a commitment that's always welcome if they desire, but we don't expect that from our guest or our visitors today. And if you're with your family, uh, you may be sitting together, several of you. Uh, you can choose to all come as a family if you'd like, or you can just choose to send one representative from the family. That's totally okay. You can make that call. But it's important that you listen carefully right now, or we may have organized confusion, okay? So here we go. Would you please take the card out at this point? Just take it out. Perhaps you've just set it aside for a moment, or maybe you've been holding it throughout the service. But just take a pledge card right now at all of our locations, and let me share a few words of explanation. First of all, that little chart that you see there is purely for example purposes. Obviously, that does not mean, I, I would take this for granted, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. Obviously, that doesn't mean those are one's only choices. This is simply to encourage all of us to see what a weekly or a monthly donation would amount to over the three-year period of this campaign, okay? So everybody clear on that? Whatever your commitment may be, greater, smaller, in between these examples, it doesn't matter. That's simply there for your encouragement so you can see how it adds up. Also, be sure that you put your personal information here. We want to be sure that we can properly credit you for any commitment that you make. So be sure you have put your name and the necessary information there so we can be in contact with you about that. And then simply write down the amount. Now, as our worship team leads us, Debbie and I are going to fill out our pledge card here on the platform. Deb's going to join me here. And as you fill out yours, and then in just a moment, we're going to take about 60 to 90 seconds to do that, okay? 60 to 90 seconds, and then I will pray, and then we will all stand and begin to come forward, okay? So let's go ahead and complete our pledge cards right now. Complete yours if you've not done so already. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this special moment. We know that there may be another moment, never be another moment exactly like this. 
So we cherish this time. I sense that you're about to do something very special again among these, your people, the people of grace. We pray for an outpouring of love and compassion and teamwork. We pray that you would take what we have in our hand and turn the little into much. May your will be done. We pray in the name of Jesus who gave his lifeblood for us. Amen and amen. Would you all stand please all across the sanctuary? And as our team leads us, let's just begin to come forward. We're not going to do any particular order. You can just make your way to one of these baskets and as an act of worship and sacrifice and commitment to God, make your pledge to him. God bless you.